And resounding good afternoon. There's no doubt about it. That jazz is smooth. As smooth as black silk. Peace and grace, everyone. And good afternoon. Today is Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022. And you're listening to WHGE 95.3 FM. The one and the only education, advocacy, and journalism station in the entire state of Delaware. Here, broadcasting from Wilmington, Delaware, I am Rochelle Wilson for Make Some Intelligent Noise, the Political Power Hour. I'm so thankful to be in your presence again, and I ask that you stay with me for this one hour so that we can talk politics. All right. Uh, peace and grace, everyone. How are you doing? How are you doing? I truly pray that you are well, uh, that your family is well, and that things are working out in your favor. I sincerely pray that from my heart to yours. So I want to get started right away with uh, something I was broadcasting on Saturday, we talked a little bit about Black Friday, and I know some folks don't want to hear it. You know, you guys are so excited uh, the day after Thanksgiving, right? Uh, which is, uh, I believe, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. If I'm not mistaken, it's Thursday, tomorrow, the 24th of November, 2022. We will all gather, many of us will gather with the family around the tables, and we will give thanks. I pray that the first thing that we will give thanks for is that we are alive to sit around the table and number two, that we are joined with our family and our loved ones. Many of us, uh, you know, myself included, I do not have a lot of family to celebrate the traditional Thanksgiving uh, Day, which we changed many, many moons ago. It, we don't call it Thanksgiving Day as much. Uh, we kind of call it Family Day, a day for all of the family to come together and join in and just catch up and chit-chat and have a glass of wine or hot cocoa, uh, you know, and sit around and eat cranberry sauce with turkey or whatever meat is your favorite. Or if you're vegan, that's fine as well. But it was about the family. It really wasn't about uh, pilgrims and turkeys. All right. But whatever it is that you're going to do tomorrow, please be sure to give thanks that you are alive to do it. That's number one. And number two, I pray that your family will be with you. Loved ones will gather around you so that you can celebrate each other's love. And that's the most beautiful thing about what we know here in America as Thanksgiving Day. All right. Has nothing to do with pilgrims and turkeys. You do not want to take me down that road. I promise you I could tell you horrific stories about the pilgrims and the turkeys, but we're not going to do that, uh, but we are going to move forward, and I do want to share something with you, um, you know, and this is not as a downer, but this is the education station. This is a place, this radio station is all about informing you, uplifting you, encouraging you, educating you. Uh, there may be something uh, that is said at this radio station 
by one of the journalists that you'll be able to say, huh, well, I didn't know that. That's an interesting tidbit of information. That's a jewel. And that is what we are here to do. All right. So moving forward from there, I want to share with you in that education spirit of upliftment and encouragement, many of us, uh, not myself, of course, but many folks will be gathering and waiting for what is known as Black Friday, the sales, the great bargains of, of Black Friday, where everything is marked up and then it's put on sale for you to get a great bargain. And whether it's online or if you physically in person go into the store, I really want you to understand what it is that you are honoring. So please allow me to read you something that my comrade, uh, and I pray that he's listening, Sultan Sultan. Uh, a Facebook comrade of mine sent me through Messenger to share with me uh, about Black Friday. And this is not something that I didn't know. However, I think it's worthy of a re-mention. Let's re-mention this just to make sure that we all are on the same page. And I pray that we will be. So it says, um, this is an article by Elder Sayakaran. Okay, I know it's kind of a hard name to say, but it's from The Perspective, a newspaper from Atlanta, Georgia. And this is what the editor had to say about Black Friday. It's really a shame how they can take something so horrible and pull the wool over our eyes, hiding the true meaning for what you are celebrating. Back in the days of slavery, the African-American slaves would cook up that nice Thanksgiving turkey meal for their masters, and they would entertain them throughout the night. The masters would force the slaves to entertain their friends and their family, who would then vote on which slave was the best entertainer and which slaves were the worst. The worst slaves... Uh, considered as the losers, the worst slaves were then sold at auction the next day, the day that the slave masters called Black Friday. Uh, you know, the slaves were greatly reduced in price and the eager slave masters would come from miles around to get a great bargain on the annual Thanksgiving slave auction, Black Friday, Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. So the slaves that performed the best or made the slave owners laugh and feel the most joy-filled, they were allowed the opportunity to stay at the plantation that they were on. Those that did not make an impression in their performance they were then sold the next day, that Friday, and they called it Black Friday. And all across America, even up north, where we didn't have slave owners per se, but even up north, it began to take trend, Black Friday. It was a day where everything would be put on sale, and it marked the beginning of the Christmas holidays. 
So when I read the article and refreshed and re-mentioned it to myself, uh, thank you again to my Facebook comrade, Sultan Sultan. I do appreciate you. Yes, this is what I learned. So if we're all gathering ourselves together, getting ready for those great bargain sales uh, that start Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, which is tomorrow, then just recognize the horrible history and how it became Black Friday, the auction of the slaves that the slave owners or masters felt were not good entertainers. So they were sold at a discounted price because they're not great entertainers. They're sold at a discounted price on Black Friday. So just think about that as you're all waiting for your great bargains at Macy's and Zales and Lord and Taylor and wherever else it is that you prefer to shop and online and all of these various different uh, locations online. Everybody's doing it. I see it constantly on the television. I will be so glad when they take it off. It's very offensive. It's insulting. Uh, that something so horrible has pulled the wool over our eyes. For generations, we all came up thinking Black Friday was sales day, and it is, because the people up north that didn't have slaves to put on an auction, that but they were store owners, they would just make their merchandise on sale. It's still commemorating what the southern slave masters were doing. Black Friday, ladies and gentlemen, Black Friday, the sale of the bad performing slaves. Uh, I find it offensive. I truly do. And I'll be very glad when they take the commercials off of the television and the radio and everywhere else. Every time they say it, I feel as if it's an insult. Uh, and I do not believe that multi-million dollar companies and corporations, uh, that all of these people who own Macy's and Lord and & Taylor and Zales and all the online uh, places to make purchases, there's no way you're going to convince me that these people don't know the history, the true story of how Black Friday began, and yet they continue to promote it. That is offensive to me. And I pray, ladies and gentlemen, that you will also find it offensive, okay? So that's my two cents in the cookie jar uh, in regards to Black Friday, to which I assure you, I will not spend one penny, not one penny will anyone get from me on the day that they call Black Friday. In honor of my elders, uh, and my forefathers that were slaves and may have been put through this type of ordeal. First and foremost, I've got to cook you a turkey and all of the fixings that go along with it. And then I get the scraps that are left over, right? Which we turned, because we're such geniuses, we turned into something called soul food, macaroni and cheese, right? And the chitterlings, because the slave masters didn't want to eat the intestines of a pig, but it was what they gave us. So we learned how to turn pig intestines into something called chitterlings. 
and it became a delicacy. It became soul food, right? Hot sauce and chicken wings and whatever else it is that we eat that is called soul food are truly the scraps that were left over from the master's table from Thanksgiving that they would allow us to have. And then we turn that into a delicacy. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you are of a melanated background, you should feel proud of your heritage and your genealogy. I assure you, you come from great scientists and chemists and philosophers and chefs and uh, creative artists. You come from good stock. So don't let anyone or anything ever tell you that you are not from greatness. Let's teach our children that. Let's teach our children of our greatness, the ability to take nothing and turn it into something. That's greatness. That's greatness. Yes, the scraps left over from Thanksgiving dinner at the master's table then became what we all know and love today as soul food right? So you got to know the history of a thing. You just got to know the history of a thing uh, before you decide to make a decision, you know, before you make a decision to support something, know its roots, know where it came from, know what it means and how it affects you and your family. I pray that there will not be one melanated person in America who will spend one penny on the day after Thanksgiving in order to promote these businesses who are looking for your money to stay in the black. If you're in the red, your business is doing bad and you might not last. You might be going out of business soon. But if you're in the black, right? That means your business will live to prosper another day. And I'm not suggesting that I don't want business owners to prosper in no way, shape, or form. Am I suggesting that? I want businesses to prosper, but I don't want you to call it Black Friday. I want the truth to be acknowledged. Let's call it something else, right? Let's call it something else or do away with it totally and do something else. Let's change the narrative. We've got to change the narrative and it starts with understanding the way we think about a thing and our knowledge. Our knowledge about a thing. Intelligence rules the world, but ignorance will pay the price. Ignorance will pay the price. So moving forward from there, uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk politics all right, I will be reaching out to my good friend and yours, Mr. Brandon Fletcher. Brandon Fletcher is going to uh, have a chat with us and fill us in, kind of analyze some of the politics of where we are today and where we go from here. What is the next thing on the list of to do in politics? But before we make that call, which that call uh, will be uh, started, I'm going to make that call at 4.30 p.m. today. And I pray that Brandon is able to answer the phone. 
so that we can uh, talk politics and he can give us his guru expertise on politics. Uh, I love talking to Brandon. He is just a wealth of information. So, uh, but moving forward, I wanted to share something else with you that I've got to tell you uh, came through the criminal justice system, if you want to call it that. Uh, I get hundreds of emails every day, and perhaps you do as well. Uh, people, some of it is spam, and I try to delete that and get rid of it so I don't just have all these thousands of emails of spam, right? But I check my emails pretty much every day whether it's early in the morning with my coffee or perhaps it's later in the evening when I'm sitting down. Uh, I like to journal and write my book. I'm writing my memoirs in the evening and I will also check my emails. And so one of the organizations that I am a, a part of, and I'm, I think I'm a part of about 21 different organizations, believe it or not. Uh, I dibble and dabble in all of them. I do what I can to help and to be uh, an advocate, a good advocate for them. Uh, and in return, they keep me abreast of what's going on. So one of those organizations, uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, we, I was reading the email and it says that harmful words can promote dangerous stereotypes and stoke fear. And when we stigmatize people who have been convicted of a crime, we make it harder for them to thrive. 95% of the people in state prisons will be released and they will return home. So that is why it is so crucial that their humanity is not stripped from them. This is not just a moral imperative. It is a civic responsibility. So uh, rather than call them criminals and felons and offenders, why don't we call them those who have been justice impacted are people who are being held incarcerated incarcerated people are previously incarcerated people we can also call them returning citizens we want to give them a level of respect and decency for their humanity and trust me i was a person prior to my son being arrested and incarcerated, I was a person who thought anybody that goes to jail is absolutely a horrible person. And they deserve to be there because that was my level of ignorance. Everybody who's in jail is not necessarily a bad human being. But there are people in jail who are horrendous. They're horrific human beings. And again, I'm going to use, you know... Thomas Yates, uh, Ted Bundy, and the list just goes on. There's plenty other names. The Oklahoma City Bomber and, uh, you know, things like that. The Columbine Shooters. These people are crazy and they need a timeout. They need psychological assistance. They need something. They definitely need counseling, okay, because there is something not right in their thinking, their mind is not working properly. It's not functioning at a normal capacity. You blow up schools with children in it. You blow up buildings in Oklahoma or any other place uh, in America or anywhere in the world. Like something's wrong with that. 
But then you have other people who committed what we would call a crime. They broke the law, committed an offense. They were offensive to the American system, right? So let's call it the criminal legal system. I wouldn't call it the justice system because far too many people who have been previously incarcerated, they did not receive justice. They're still waiting for justice. They're still waiting for it. You and I both have done the research and you know just like I do how many hundreds of thousands of people in America have been falsely accused, people who have been over-sentenced and over-punished, and they didn't really commit that, many, that bad of a crime. For example, vagrancy laws. We know that in, this, in the 80s, people just for sitting around on a stoop that didn't belong to them. They were considered as vagrants. It was a criminal offense. And you could go to jail for sitting on a stoop that did not belong to you. That was trespassing. You were a vagrant. And honestly, now in 2022, even though we're not in the 80s, I have to refer back to the history because I, I do not see that we have come that far. People are mentally and emotionally desperate. People are on drugs. Uh, people have neurons that are not making the connection. Whatever the illness, a uh, mental illness or dysfunction may be, they may have committed an offense to the American legal system, but that doesn't mean that they're evil, criminal, horrible people. So let's change our mindset. Let's change our way of thinking about these people who have committed offenses. I'm not going to say they didn't commit an offense, but I'm saying let's take a closer look and separate the difference between uh, the person who is on drugs or who has a mental or an alcoholic dysfunction and they're not operating at full scale. They just need some help. You know, they need a treatment center and some counseling. They don't need to be in prison. Let's separate them from the people who do blow up Oklahoma buildings and uh, high schools. Let's separate the difference between those people and people who, who snatch you up from the street, cut you up, put you in the refrigerator, and eat your body later. Human cannibalism. Let's separate the difference. So everyone that's in jail is not necessarily a criminal just because they're in the criminal or American legal system. They have been a person who was convicted of a crime. They are still your brother and your sister, your mother, your father, your uncle, your child, whoever it is, they are a human being. Let's evaluate what treatment they need versus the treatment of someone who, you know, I don't know, did something else, sit up, sat on a stoop, <laughs> Okay, we look at our young people running around in America today, uh, so sad that it's so, so often we talk about our brown children who are carrying guns and shooting and killing each other. 
They're, they're really, they should be a military school or something for them. Every time you find a young person who is in a gang or in any type of uh, organization like that, or they want to play with guns, you want to play with guns? Let's get a little miniature, um, what do you call it? A military camp where real American soldiers, perhaps retired or something like that, but let's figure out a way to put them in a military camp. You want to play with guns? Well, let's show you how let's show you how to really do this. So you can identify who your true enemies are and stop killing each other. It's a thought. I'm not saying it's a perfect thought, but it's a thought. It's a thought. You know, I I I I associate, I chit-chat with brother John Muhammad all of the time. Uh, we talk a lot about young children and guns and gangs and all of that. And this brother is so deep, so deep in the community, helping our young children. Uh, you know, and he, he's out here at the Ferris School. He, he tries to talk to the kids. It's amazing the work that he does. So if you ever see that brother standing on the corner uh, trying to sell you the final call, right? Uh, pull over and buy one and just, just tell him hello. Tell them, assalamu alaikum. Peace be unto you, brother. Right? But one of the things that I've noticed in my conversations and learning from Brother John Muhammad is that a lot of the children who were committing the offenses, it started with bullying. Somebody else was bullying them and they were scared to walk from one corner to the next down the block, so they carry a gun. They carry a gun. And then there's always that little word, respect. Oh, he disrespected me. Can you, what is respect to you? First of all, you're 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. And you're going to tell me you shot and killed another little boy, human being, 17 year old boy, because he disrespected you? Well, gee whiz. I need you to tell me exactly, define the word respect so we can understand what is disrespect. Make sure we, let's start there. What is respect so we can define disrespect? Because when you pull the gun and you shot him and you took his life, you broke his mother and father's heart, took, took him away from his sisters and brothers, that was disrespectful. That was disrespectful. When you curse at your elders or slam the door to your mom or your dad or run out the house and you don't, you don't uh, show respect, that's disrespectful. I came up at a time where, honey, you'd have got smacked from one end of the room to the other. But then somebody came up with the idea that that's abusing our child. Yes, beating your child with baseball bats and, and uh, iron cords, that is abusive. Disciplining your child would keep them from going out and getting guns and killing other young people. Okay, so it's 4.30. I'm going to reach out and see if Brandon is ready to talk to us. We're going to talk politics. Let's see if we can get him. Brandon! Hi, Mr. Sure. How are you? How are you, dear? Is this a good time to call? 
Wonderful, wonderful. So I've got you on the microphone and I want to talk politics, but I got to say first and foremost, it's so good that you answered my call. Thank you so much, Brandon. Thanks so much for having me back on. Oh my God, you are my guru. So let's start at the top. If that's all right with you, let's start at the top. We usually start at the bottom, but let's start at the top. Uh, in my mind, I guess the top, uh, we have to say, I'm going to ask, is it true? I am under the impression that uh, Donald Trump filed to go to run again on November 15th. Donald Trump filed again to run for the president of the United States. Tell me that's not true. It is true. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Donald Trump uh, last week has officially filed the, the, the paperwork with the with the Federal Elections Commission to, to run for president in 2024. So he's running. Oh, my. What do you think about that, Brandon? Well, I'll say this. Um, first and foremost, I'm a Democrat, so... I, I don't vote for Republicans, um, but I I think it's scary that someone with that record of, of being, you know, hearing after hearing, impeachment, you know, all of these criminal aspects of his presidency coming to light since he's left the office and still, still showing that he's not going to stop, that he's going to run, um, I think, to me, just means that the Democrats have to be more pro-democracy and more, um, you know, forceful in, in showing that we are for the people, that we're going to elect candidates up and down the ballot who are pro-democracy. And I think this, you said you wanted to start at the top, but really, Trump Republicans... It's beyond Trump now. There are people who are running for Senate. There are people who are running for, for you know, for, for Congress. I mean, the Republicans just took back the House by a narrow margin. Um, you have Herschel Walker, who's um, a Donald Trump uh, minion, running in the Georgia runoff against Senator Raphael Warnock, um, down to school boards. You know, there's people who are running... And from school board to the state legislatures across this country who are taking um, Trumpism, you know, uh, denying election results and, you know, pushing conspiracy theories uh, with them into these important positions of power. So as much as, you know, Trump is going to be running in the, for the Republican nomination for president in 2024, I urge people to, to pay attention to who's running at every level um, from school board on up. Yeah, absolutely. I 100,000% agree with you. And <clears throat> I got to say, you know, I respect the fact that you claim to, you know, you are blue. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I don't really get caught up in Republican or Democrat and all that sort of thing. I really like to go by the person who has shown me that they're going to get the work done. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's move forward from there um, and, and ask. So some of the Democrats that won, we know that Colleen Davis won. We know that Lydia York won. Uh, Namdi, he is a Republican, if I'm not mistaken. He won. Namdi's a Democrat. Oh, he is a Democrat. Okay. Yes. 
Um, so, you know, let's talk about the Senate. Let's, let's, or Congress, because we're moving our way down. So we talked about the president. Uh, let's talk about Congress. Lisa Blunt Rochester. Yeah, and I jump around, sorry, because I think all these races are so important. But for, as far as Representative Congress, I mean, Lisa Blunt Rochester sweeped her race, winning 55% of the vote. Um, and, you know, I think that's a very important seat that uh, we we should keep as a as Democrat. And I think Lisa Blunt Rochester has done a wonderful job representing our state um, in Congress. And I think it showed with, with the voters in the state of Delaware re-electing her for the fourth time. So so what um, what's one of the things that we want to tell the people to keep their eye on with her moving forward? Uh, you know, my passion is anything that has to do with the prisons. I find that to be very important. But what is one of the top things on the agenda we should watch for with Lisa? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I'm not a representative of her office, so... Um, I would suggest people, you know, get to know your elected officials, get to know who, who works for, like, who works for your elected official, because so many times, like, we, we think, oh, like, it's just this one person, and we have to ask this one person, but there's an entire um, legislative team of people in her office that, you know, you could contact and, and ask questions about various legislation, um, that's on the docket. You can share your really your thoughts, your ideas, your suggestions for for your congresswoman. So um, go to congress.gov. I mean, if most of your followers are from Delaware, it is Lisa Bart Rochester, mm -hmm. um, and she, you know, call her office, ask questions of your legislative uh, of your um, your congresswoman. Okay. Because you know, she'll be down there and she'll vote in the way that you know, best represents our needs, but we have to make sure that, you know, that she knows what our needs are and she knows what our needs are and that right. the people in, in their office, not just Lisa Blunt, but also in the Senate side too, Tom Carper and, and uh, Senator Chris Coons. Yes. Um, yes. Contacting all of our statewide officials in DC, um, to see where they stand. Um, and you know, yeah. right now the house of representatives, um, is reorganizing because of the change after the elections. And so there's going to be various committees. Now, committees are where most of the bills and the legislative uh, processing takes place. And so members of these committees include representatives. And so right now, all of the representatives are sort of like bidding for the best committee to be on, you know, to bring some of the best results back to their districts. And yes. so I would encourage people to visit congress.gov, um, type in your address. If you're Delaware, it's just Lisa Blunt. So um, the number will be there if you type Delaware. And, and you know, call, ask, what are what are some of the committee assignments that Lisa Blunt Rochester has been in? Yes. What is she looking to focus on this upcoming legislative session? You know, I'd um, like to know what some of all of those committees are. Like if I could get my hand on a list List of the committees, I could sort of follow who's getting on those committees because there are certain committees, obviously, again, that I'm particularly passionate about and I want to keep up with them. And then there are others that it's just good to know, just good to know information. Right. So Lisa Blunt Rochester has served on the House Committee on Energy and Commerce. 
And so energy and commerce is really one of the committees that deals with a variety of issues. Um, they have jurisdiction over healthcare. Um, they have uh, jurisdiction over, you know, biomedical research and development, drug, food, um, cosmetic safety, clean air and climate change, mm -hmm. you know, safe drinking water. Yeah, save the planet the stuff. Things, right, all of the things that, you know, seem far-fetched but are literally happening and, and, and we're seeing in our backyard. Yes. But, you know, lead in the drinking pipes in, in various schools throughout the state. When storms hit the east side of Wilmington, people being displaced and, and homes being destroyed because of climate change. So energy and commerce covers, um, covers climate change. They also focus on... Um, um, you know, renewable energy and, you know, national energy. So yes, that was what Congresswoman Lisa Blount Rochester has served on. And I'd be interested to see if, if she goes to another committee uh, once they reorganize or if she yes. sticks with that one. And then yeah. also looking to see how the work that she's going to be doing in that committee is going to impact Delaware. Well, I, I certainly uh, will be watching that, and I really think it's important for all of us in America, all Americans, but yes, here in Delaware, you know, let's do our part in order to save the planet. And it might be little things, just, just little things, and they do matter. Uh, so let's move on. So uh, the House of Representatives, you know, our senators, did we get a whole lot of turnover there, or, or how are we doing with that? Are you talking about the state senators or the, um, the statewide ones? I'm talking about um, the senators at the Delaware General Assembly. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, we, we saw some wins for, uh, for senators as far as flipping seats. Um, Kira Hoffner now is a senator, um, and she has been very uh, pro- legalization of marijuana and, yes. um, and progressive, and I think that will bring some much-needed change to the Senate side. Yes. I think the Senate side has been um, sort of like the, I, I like to say the more hip side of, of the legislature because they seem to actually want to get things done, but where we run into issues is the, is the State House of Representatives, uh -oh. and a lot of the representatives um, who were re-elected um, have been blocks to progress, especially around issues of, of housing, of uh, police reform, you know, ensuring that there's transparency in our state police. And so I will like to highlight, though, some of the ones who, who have been doing the work, like Sherry Dorsey Walker, um, but, you know, others um, who, who won. And I'm talking about Deshauna Neal, a historic race uh, where uh, Larry Mitchell lost his job. You know, people, by, by, by a very small margin, I think it was 26 votes, she won her primary election. Um, and he was one of the representatives who uh, was a block to progress around police transparency and um, abolishing the Law Enforcement Officers Bill of Rights and housing and the Homeless Bill of Rights. And so Deshaun and Neal, we have Cindy Romer, you have others who are going down there who are going to really care for the people. But I think people should really start to pay attention, especially after this election, what 2024 is going to look like, mm -hmm. um, especially in the House of Representatives. 
Okay, I hear you. And uh, we're going to have to talk some more about that because I know that Hanif Salam, the ACLU Smart Justice, is really big on getting, you know, getting some transparency here with the Leobor. Uh, Senator Elizabeth Lockman had uh, originally sponsored the bill, but by the time they watered it down, it wasn't worth, you know, wasn't worth looking at. So, right. you know, do you think that's going to come back again? I know that's very important. So I think, you know, the Senate has the votes to get something done that isn't watered down because they have justice reform minded elected officials on that side who are willing to put forth bold, bold policy. I think where we're going to run into issues is going to be around the House of Representatives. And so... Oh. Everything that happens in the Senate has to go to the House, and everything that happens in the House has to go to the Senate. Right. And so, you know, the House is not going to want to see parts of things that the Senate wants done in the bill. And so they sort of have to chip away at certain things to get it done. But I think at the end of the day, um, we we have to put pressure on our elected officials um, because, quite frankly, these issues impact their constituents, the ones yes. who are voting no. And specifically, I'll call them out by name. Representative Frank Cook, Representative Nambi Chakocha, Representative Bolden, why aren't you voting for a transparent police and legal system? You know, we need to know that there is transparency at every level and police must be held accountable for, for, for misconduct. Yes. And the Law Enforcement Officers Bill of Rights has been a block to ensuring that the that our that our system is fair, you know, and that people have access to to due process to a system that's fair. And we're not just protecting police officers, but we're opening it up so that all evidence should be seen. Yes. So that you know people have a fair shot, primarily black and brown people. Yes. Um, and I think it's shameful that. You have three city of Wilmington representatives who 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 have been um, who have refused to to move on that, but also it's housing issues too. Well, you um, and I, uh, not to cut you off, but you and I both are familiar, uh, and we only have a few minutes, so I'm kind of rushing it through. But you know, you and I are familiar that you know this one will talk to that one in the shadows and say, "You vote for me, and then I'll vote for you, and then we become comrades and and all of that sort of thing." Uh, and so maybe that has something to do with getting the work done. I, I think we need to let go of some all of that camaraderie. It's great to be friends, but it's more important to serve the people. I'm in 100% agree with you. Let's get rid of the nostalgia that's been going on. It's about leadership. Um, and I think, especially around issues of, of housing, there is no denying that there has been a level of influence from the Department of Association of Realtors and how they influence elected officials through campaign contributions in order to to, um, to to stop elected officials from supporting policies or getting them to vote no on certain things or to not push things through. There's a direct correlation between the real estate industry paying elected officials. Sure, absolutely. Getting more people affected. Look at the campaign finance report. Um, Nandi takes money from... Uh, 
the Delaware Realtor Association PAC. Frank Cook takes money from the Delaware Association Realtors PAC. Stephanie Bolden takes money from the Delaware Association Realtors PAC. And so they may not say, oh, I, I'm, I'm independent thinking and that doesn't influence my vote, but you're taking their money, but then you're voting against tenants' rights to representation. Right. So, you right. know, um, it seems as though that's been one of the major obstacles in the way of specifically tenant protections. But also, the police unions have a lot of influence over what happens as far as justice reform and, and their influence politically. A lot of elected officials are afraid to take stances on things because, hey, I'm just concerned about getting reelected so I can wow. keep my seat instead of, you know, doing the hard work which is yeah. really being responsive to the people who yeah. elected you to office. And it shouldn't and see, be that's, It shouldn't be hard. And see, that's one of the things why I, <clears throat> I've i learned over the years for myself personally, this is nothing against anyone else, but I've learned not to look at blue versus red, Democrat versus Republican, but rather look at who is going to get the work done because it takes guts and it takes, you know, gumption and a lot of other good, strong courage to go up against someone you might have had lunch with them two days ago but now you got to fight them because it's for the best interest of the people in order to make some some things take place and, and to get the work done so um i think that's that's highly important uh let's close out with this and then we're, we're going to close for the day talk to me about the governor's race the gubernatorial race it's coming so yeah, 2024, our governor um, is term limited out, so he can't, Governor Carney can't run for another term. There's been a lot of, um, a lot of talk amongst, you know, people who, who are, I would say, are, are political people about who that next, who that next governor will be, who the next candidates for governor will be. But I think, you know, looking at the race, obviously, you have the lieutenant governor as a potential uh, candidate. I hear Matt Meyer's name a lot, who I happen to like um, a lot. Um, those are the two names that I've heard primarily, but I think most importantly, we have to demand something of these candidates. And so if we have a crowded primary election for the governor's race in 2024, that's our time to really put pressure on, on the elected official, regular people coming together to demand more. Um, that we want legalized cannabis with opportunities for our people to be in the industry, that we want housing, that we want health care that's affordable, that we want schools that are fully funded. You know, and a revamping our of our legal, a revamping of our legal system and accountability from our judges as well. A lot of people are sitting in prison today, Brandon, because the judge put them there uh, based on the laws that according the laws he has to follow. So let's let's change some of that narrative. But I got to say, uh, a lot of people like Matt Meyer. He's very popular in the black community. He's, I believe Meyer is a Jewish name, if I'm not mistaken. So I understand there's a big financial backing. But Matt Meyer has, you know, he, for some reason, he has the heart of a lot of, uh, of the brown voters. Uh, what do you think in terms of, uh, you know, Dr. Bethany Hall Long? Like, how's that going to play? How's that going to play for her? Wilmington is a large brown uh, voting pool, very large. Yeah, I think, um, and you know, not just Wilmington, but also our surrounding areas, like you know, Newcastle and the Route Nine corridor, and and you know, parts of the the outskirts of Wilmington and the city itself. 
mean, there's clearly a black belt, I'll call it, in our state. Um, but I think, you know, like you mentioned about the two-party system, the American political system is rigged to favor the two major parties. And so my, my advice is, you know, get involved with, for example, the Working Families Party, of which I'm a member of. The Working Families Party, um, they run candidates through the Democratic Party primaries. At other times, they run candidates on their own. But they are separate from both parties, and they're focused on, you know, changing the way that politics works. You know, we can build a future and a state where everyone can thrive. And I don't know if we're going to get that from the Republican or Democratic Party. Um, but I suggest people to, you know, get involved with the Working Families Party. They're regular people. And a lot of the candidates who we've seen who flipped some of the seats in in the House yeah. um, came from the Working Families Party, like the okay. Sean O'Neill, for example. Sinead Darby, Councilwoman Sinead Darby, was a a WFP endorsed candidate. She okay. didn't win her election. She lost by a small margin. But it's about pushing the line and it's about yeah. demanding something more and not just the same old I same old people with the same right. old ideas. Right. Um, um, who, you know, quite frankly don't have the community's best interests. Well, I again I don't know for sure. I like uh, I like both candidates for governor. I don't I believe Bethany is definitely Democrat. I don't know what is Matt Meyer. Is he Democrat or Republican? I believe he's a Democrat. Okay. All right. So it'll it'll we gotta find some Republicans to run against them, right? Or they just can run against each other. Is that how that works? So first there will be a Democratic and a Republican primary. So that's gotcha. when all the Republicans run against the Republicans to right. become the Republican nominee and all the Democrats run yeah. against the Democrats to become the Democratic nominee who will then run in the general election against each other. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and so the primary election in 2024 is on September 10th, 2024. I believe early voting will take place 10 days in advance as well. Um... And so we're going to start seeing them show up more. We're going to yeah. start seeing them show up to the food <laughs> banks and show up to the turkey drives and yeah. show up to, to the churches. And, you know, and, and, and yeah, we want to know that you can be in our spaces, but, but we want something from that, too. Yeah. And so use the opportunity for a primary election to push these candidates to take on our issues. Okay. I see as the most uh, important thing. All right. For, for black people, uh, for working class people to do, to make our voices heard. You're awesome, Brandon. I absolutely adore you. You don't know it, but I'm virtually hugging you right now. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Rochelle. And I would love to come in person someday. Just, uh, just, just let me know. Yeah, absolutely. We got to get you here. It's all a matter of scheduling. Uh, but until we can get you physically here, we're going to do it over the phone, baby, because we need you. <laughs> we love you, Brandon. Thank you so much, my dear. Thanks, Rochelle. Have a great holiday. You also. Peace and grace. Well, there you have it, and that pretty much brings us to the 5 o'clock hour. I will say this in closing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, in regards to that gubernatorial race, when it gets down to Matt Meyer, uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Dr. Bethany Hall Long, you know, Matt Meyer is amazing with, you know, black folks. He, he's been to Africa. I've interviewed him. I like the man. He's a great guy, right? Uh, but no one's perfect. 
Uh, I also really, really support woman power. And I think that Dr. Bethany Hall Long is a strong woman who cares about the people. So we're going to see how this, you know, how this plays out as we move forward, you know, as we begin to make our decision on who we're going to vote for in 2024. I'm so thankful that you were here. I'm so thankful to Brandon Fletcher for the update, the analyzation, and the information. Thank you, Brandon. We absolutely adore you. To everyone else, God loves you. And guess what? So too do I. You're listening to Rochelle Wilson. Make some intelligent noise on the Political Power Hour every Wednesday from 4 until 5 p.m. Every Saturday, we're here from 1 until 2 p.m. Please join me and stay locked in to WHGE 95.3 FM. Your one and only Black-owned, Black-operated news information station in the state of Delaware. Take care and enjoy your family fun festival. Peace and grace. Well, we're going to see how this plays out as we move along. I am sitting on the edge of my seat. I can't wait to find out. Uh, you know, I like I said, I've interviewed Bethany Hall Long. I've interviewed Matt Meyer. I like both of them. Uh, but it's going to come down to who's going to get the work done for the people. So let's watch that as we move forward. Love y'all. God bless.